Okay, this morning we have what we call a flannel graph. This is a tool that's used in Sunday school, and occasionally I use it here on Sunday mornings when we have what we call family worship day. That's where the first graders through sixth graders are in church with us. And um, I have a visual, kind of a visual aid, to kind of help with the presentation. And this morning, this is a flannel graph. Um, And I'm going to put it up on the thing here like this. There we go. Like that, see? Oh, that's good. See, now some of you are sitting in the back. You say, I can't see, Pastor Neil. I told you to move up. (laughs) So we have my characters here. Now I have envelopes. Little envelopes, okay? Now they look almost like the size of what? Dollar bills. Now what I'm going to do, I want to encourage that our grade school kids are in with us to pay careful attention because during the presentation, I'm going to be asking questions. Now I used to give little silly prizes away, but the kids didn't like it, so I decided to go. I went for the big bucks here. But you've got to listen. Listen very carefully to what Pastor Neil will be saying. Now I've broken it down into two grades. First through three grades, I've got a, a question. And then uh, fourth through six, I've got another question. A little bit harder, because it's not fair to ask uh, hard questions to the smaller kids, nor is it uh, good to ask the sixth graders questions a piece of cake. So. But now when Pastor Neil asks the question, you don't raise your hand until you know the answer. I know right away you'll stick up your hand, and, because I'm going to come over there and ask you, do you know the question, okay, and the answer. So that's what these envelopes are for. Okay, that's the first thing. Let me move my characters over here. Here we go. Okay, I think I'm ready. Turn in your Bibles. Turn in your Bibles to Luke. And we find ourselves in Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, verses 11 through 18. Or verse 19. Luke 17, 11 through 19. Now kids, you want to read along with Pastor Neil as I read the scriptures. Luke 17, 11. While he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. They raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Father, we we always want to give you time by your Holy Spirit to speak us through the word. Lord, we know that you're 
You're the truth. You're the way. You're the life. May that come through the passage this morning. To all who are here this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was growing up in New Jersey as a young boy, I always looked forward to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was the start of kind of a new season back there. Usually it meant first that uh, being that it was late November, there was a possibility that it might snow. And it might snow enough that they would close the schools. So Thanksgiving was the beginning of possibility having extra days off for school. I like Thanksgiving. I also like Thanksgiving because it meant possibly we might go to my Aunt Frances, my Uncle Mike's house, and Aunt Frances was born in Italy, and she made the best raviolis that I have ever tasted. They were about the size of my hand. They were huge. You'd only eat three or four of them, and then you were full. Nobody. I have never tasted any raviolis other than Aunt Frances's raviolis that were that good. They were great raviolis. We'd go to Aunt Frances and have raviolis for Thanksgiving dinner, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. It also meant if I was at my Uncle Mike's, that sometimes he would reach across and the kids would have ginger ale. This is, don't get mad at this. My Uncle Mike would take a little wine and pour it just a little bit to color my ginger ale so that we could feel grown up. Thanksgiving was good. Now, we weren't too much into football back then. Thanksgiving for me meant that my birthday was just around the corner. And then after my birthday came Christmas. Come on, you had to look forward to Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving is uh, rooted and grounded in the principle that we find in the Bible that it's good to give thanks to God for all that we've had. Now, in the beginning of our country, many of the presidents would make proclamations calling on the people in the United States to thank God for his goodness and his provision. Now, we seem to have kind of lost our way, haven't we? Uh, Right now... Thanksgiving is about um, a big meal. What's nothing wrong with a big meal? Amen. Do we all have good meals? I hope you had a great meal. We had a great time here. But whatever you had never came close to what I had with Aunt Frances's ravioli. So <laughs> don't even want to go there. But then we have football. Football. Now this year, did you notice? We almost had 12 hours of total football. Started at 9 o'clock, 9.30, and it went almost through to that same hour. It's total football. And then, of course, we all heard about Black Friday. I'm so sick of hearing about Black Friday, I could throw up. <laughs> somebody, Nancy got a text from somebody who said, the only Black Friday with eternal rewards was not Black Friday, but was Good Friday. That has eternal rewards. So we've kind of lost our way. Now, in the Bible, there's no Thanksgiving. You can't find Thanksgiving in the Bible as a holiday. Not like our Jewish friends, right? Remember, our Jewish friends had three or four holidays where they had, as a matter of fact, three, that they had to show up at Jerusalem and celebrate and worship God. We don't have that. But certainly, as Christians, we recognize the importance the importance of uh, giving thanks. The passage we read this morning is a classic passage 
on Thanksgiving. And so what I wanted to do this morning is just, because we have Family Worship Day, I decided to do, pull out the old flannel graph, and also just talk about Thanksgiving, not the holiday, because Thanksgiving is past, but the principle of giving thanks to God. Why Thanksgiving? Why should, why should we be thankful to God? Well, this passage deals with that issue. And so I found in here uh, four truths, four principles, four things that are central from this passage that will also speak to our hearts about why Thanksgiving. Why Thanksgiving? Okay, let's take a look at the passage. In verses 11 through 14, we see 10 leprous men. And I've got them in here. And they're traveling along, and they're in this town, and they hear that Jesus is coming through town. And they begin to cry out, and they say, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy. Now, they probably heard this Jesus person was probably doing some healing. And these men, all by themselves, they're off by themselves, began to cry out. Matter of fact, it says um, they were stood at a distance. I looked now. Now, why did they stand at a distance? Well, back then, people who had leprosy, which the nerve has, it, it affects the nerves, but also affects the skin. Those people, the doctors didn't know how to fix them. There was nothing they could do for them. If you got leprosy, it was over. And because nobody knew what the disease, what caused the disease, they said, you have to stay separate. You have to be quarantined. You can't be near anybody. So they all kind of hung out together by themselves. They couldn't go home. They couldn't do their normal work. They couldn't see their kids, their family or anything. They were all separated. They were unclean, unclean. So they call on Jesus and they say, Jesus, help us. And what we get from that in our outline is the truth is that all of us have some good that the Lord has done for us. The truth is, now I'm going to paraphrase him, Ronnie, so don't pay any attention to that. I'm, I'm there. The truth is that we've all had some good that the Lord has done for us. Isn't that true? There it is. We've all had some good that the Lord has done for us. Isn't that true? We are like the lepers, aren't we? We're much like the lepers. Now, Jesus tells them uh, to go see the priest. To go see a priest. Now, why did he tell them, go see a priest? He says, they cry out, and in verse 14, it says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, why did he tell them, go show yourself to the priest? Well, back then in, in Leviticus, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the idea was, if you had leprosy or a skin disease, when it started to get better and you felt that you were healed, then you could go show yourself to the priest. And he did a whole bunch of things. And at the end of those things that he would do, he, if, if, if you look good, you were declared clean, no longer unclean. And you could do what? You could go back home. You could go back to your old life. Life was normal. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These guys still had leprosy. Notice what he says, verse 14. And as they were going, as they were going, they were cleansed. Isn't that interesting? Now, why did Jesus say that to them? Go, well, they weren't even clean. 
He wanted them to believe that he could heal them. And as they began to move towards the priest, they were healed. And what he was saying, in effect, if you really believe, you've got to put some feet to your action. You've got to believe. And they showed that they believed they could be healed by going. And as they were going, Jesus healed them. Now, here's the point. Here's the point. We've all had things in our lives that couldn't be solved, haven't we? And then what happened? God came along and did it. He helped us. He healed us. He showed us a way. He worked in our lives. Now, at that time, we might have thought, well, it was just my goodness, (laughs) It's just the way things work out in my life. Things always work out. Have you heard that phrase? Well, that's just the way things work out. That's not just the way that things they work out. It's God working in your life and showing you mercy and goodness. It's not your karma. It's not your good looks. It's the Lord. It's the Lord who has worked. Each one of us, if we took the time, could probably write out five, six, seven, eight, ten, if you're old as me, a whole page full of things that God has done in your life, isn't that true, that have been good. So all of us, we're like the lepers. We all have things in our lives that we couldn't solve. As a matter of fact, maybe the doctors didn't even know how to fix us. Maybe even some experts in the law or some, some people who had to do with our problem, they couldn't figure out how were we to get better? But then, miraculously, God did it. So the first thing that we see here is we're like the lepers. We've had things couldn't be solved. But God came along and did them for us. We've all had things that the Lord has done that were good for us. Okay. Now, here's the first question. Let's put our Let's put our thinking caps on. That's what my mom used to say. Put your thinking caps on. Here's the question. Now, this is the question for the first through third graders, okay? So fourth graders through sixth graders, you can't answer this question, okay? Are ready? All right. Don't put your hand up unless you know it. First through third graders only. What did Jesus tell the lepers to do. Okay. Come on over here, son. You come on up here, man. Now whisper in my ear what he told them to do. Yes, that's a very good man. Let's tell the folks what your name is. And what's your name? Zachary. Zachary. What a smart little boy. You must have very smart parents. <laughs> and what did the priest tell what did Jesus tell the lepers to do? <laughs> to go to a priest. Yeah, that's right. Now, do you remember why he told him to go to the priest? Mm. Now, you, why don't you come on up here? You answer that question. What, why did he tell him to go to the priest? So he can... So he can... <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so he could... They could believe as they were going, that they would be healed. Isn't that true? That's right. Amen. Now, what was your name? Come on up here, son. Tell me your name. 
Matthew. Good boy, Matthew. Let's give them a round of applause. Amen? And then we have, could I have the envelopes, please? That's your envelope. That's right. Good. Okay, you can't open it up until after service, okay? All right, good. All right, this is the question for the third graders through sixth graders, okay? Fourth through six, that's right. Four through six. I'll get it right by the second service. Come back and I'll have it then. All right, you ready? Put your thinking caps on. What part of the country was Jesus walking through? What part of the country was Jesus walking through? I saw that hand come on up here. Man, you're getting big. (laughs) Why don't you tell the folks your name? Oliver. Oliver. Now, Oliver, what part of the country were they going through? Between Samaria and Galilee. That's right. Very good. Very good. And you get the envelope. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So the first thing we've learned is that all of us have had the Lord do good things in our lives. Isn't that true? All of us are like lepers sometimes. Things can't, we can't solve our problems, but yet God comes through, heals us. Okay. Let's look at the second thing is found in verses 17 through 18. The truth is that we're often caught up in other priorities. We're often caught up in our own priorities. Now, all 10 were healed All ten were healed, the Bible says. But only one came back to give thanks to the Lord. All ten were healed, but only one came back. Now, what happened? Jesus even says in verse 17, were there not ten cleansed, but the nine, where are they? What happened? Well, maybe, let's get the other 10 up here. Maybe as they went to the priest and they found themselves healed, they might have went to the priest and then said, ah, wow, I haven't seen my wife in 10 years. I haven't seen my kids. I wonder what my kids look like. Uh, I think I'm just going to go home. I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get to safe. I'll talk to Jesus later on, maybe. And so what happened is they so longed to do what they did to get life back to what we call normal, okay? That that became their priority. That became more important to them than giving thanks to the Lord. Now, we don't know. We don't know. And you know what? Don't we all understand? Can you imagine maybe being locked out of your own house, not being able to see your kids, if you're grown up, not being able to talk to your wife, your, your husband. I mean, can you imagine, all of a sudden, their leprosy is gone, and they are, they are so happy, they just wanted to get back to normal. I'm so sick of being a leper. I'm just, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. We can understand that, can't we? Sure, we can understand that. 
But here's the thing I wanted to point out. If Jesus hadn't healed them, they'd be lepers. What was the most important thing to do? Well, they decided their priority was, I'm going home. I'm getting back to normal life. Now, we don't know how much time transpired between when this man was healed of his leprosy and when he got back to Jesus. The Bible doesn't say. Now, he could have thought as he was going, he didn't even get to the priest. He looked, he saw that he was healed, and what did he do? He went right back to Jesus. He says, man, I got to tell this guy, man, I'm so, I can't believe what's happened. I'm just going to go back. Now, you remember also, you remember also that this particular man was a Samaritan. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. And he wasn't fully Jewish, so he decided, well, you know, that Jewish thing, that's nice, but I'm, I'm going back. I'm going to recognize and I'm going to acknowledge what Jesus has done in my life. Those Jews, they're fine, but I don't need to go back to a priest. So he might never have gone to the priest. We just don't know. But guess what? Guess what? He had it right. He went back to Jesus to give thanks. He had his priorities really, really in line. Now, it would be kind of easy to criticize these other guys, huh? Well, I can't believe it that they never went back and told Jesus thanks after being healed. We could criticize them, couldn't we? Why didn't they go back? Come on. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we did that, we'd all be hypocrites, wouldn't we? (laughs) Because how many times has God done something in your life and then you just thought, well, you know, that was nice. But we never went back and asked and thanked Jesus. We never gave thanks to God. Now, maybe this is sometimes what happens to us. We get so focused on our day-to-day problems that we're facing, and each one of us have problems, amen? You know, as I look out, I know some of you guys, some of you guys got, uh, some of you guys have physical problems, some of you have emotional problems, some of you have problems with your kids, some of you have problems with your parents, some of you have problems with uh, your mortgage, some of you have problems Amen. We all, all of God's kids got problems. Amen. No problem with that. If I asked for those of you who have problems, you'd all raise your hand. Some sort. Amen. What happens is we begin to focus on those things rather than what God has done for us. You see, not everything is bad. Matter of fact, God has probably done many things for you and sometimes we don't give him thanks. We don't call to mind how good he has been to us. And when we come to days like this, Thanksgiving, we forget how good God has been to us. So it would be easy to criticize these guys because they had their priorities. My heavens, why did they go back and... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We too oftentimes fail to give thanks to God for all that he's done for us. So... What we see here, what we see here is that the truth is that oftentimes our priorities are out of whack and we don't give thanks to God. 
And remember, if they hadn't been healed, they would be back as lepers. So what was the most important thing to do? Going home, seeing their wife, seeing their kids, getting back their old job. All of those were important, but the most important thing to do was acknowledge Jesus for what he had done in their lives. And Jesus points it out. He says, hey, what happened? Where the other nine? Didn't they even want to take five minutes to come back and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. How important it is to give thanks. Okay. Let's look at the third truth that we see in verses um, 16 and 18. And that is, giving thanks is from the heart, not what we are. Giving thanks is from the heart, not what we are. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me explain it to you. Now, we don't know, the Bible doesn't say, what kind of people they were. But let's just assume, okay, for the Bible story, that they are Jews, okay? Why do I say that? Because Jesus points out that the man who returned was a Samaritan. A Samaritan. Now, what's a Samaritan? Well, most of us understand that, but the Samaritans came about when Israel, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, was invaded by a country called Assyria. And when Assyria invaded that, oftentimes they'd exile some of the people and then bring in foreigners, people who were Assyrian or Babylonian. And they would live there. And what happened with that during that time is those Israelites from the 10 tribes, the northern tribes of Israel, began to intermarry with um, Assyrians and Babylonians. So the Samaritans were not fully Jewish. They had some Assyrian blood in them. They had some Babylonian blood in them. They had some Iraqi blood in them. They had some Saudi Arabia blood in them. They weren't fully Jewish. And the Jews looked down on those people because they weren't pure Jewish. They were... Samaritans. Samaritans. Now, the other problem with Samaritans is the Samaritans, being that they had mixed uh, relationships with the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they had picked up some of their religious practices. So not only were the Samaritans not fully Jewish, but also they had some kind of weird doctrines. As a matter of fact, Do you remember when Jesus was in John chapter 4, he was talking to the lady at the well, and she was a Samaritan. She was a Samaritan. And she was surprised that Jesus was talking to her, because not only was she a woman, but she was a Samaritan. And she said to Jesus, what? She said, well, you Jews worship down here, but Samaritans, we have our own temple. So they even had a separate, distinct temple. A separate, distinct temple from the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. Okay. Now, what's the point here? What do I mean by giving thanks is is from the heart, not what we are? Because these Jewish folks, let's assume they're Jews, okay? Let's just assume that. If they're Jews, that means they had their heads on to right. They had the temple in Jerusalem, okay? That was good. 
And they had all the orthodox belief. They were right in line. But guess what? They missed it. Because they didn't give thanks to God. They, didn't, they, had, they had the pedigree. They were pure Jewish people. They had the orthodox beliefs about who God is and where the temple is and what they're supposed to do. But they missed the best time. The best thing they should have called attention to was giving thanks to their Jewish Messiah who had just healed them from leprosy. The Samaritan, the hated Samaritan, who had the false temple up in Samaria and had some weird doctrines, he got it right. Now, how does that apply to us? Well, some of us, as we look at other Christian denominations, maybe, maybe they got some funny ideas about the Bible. Maybe they got funny ideas about baptisms. Maybe their church government is not like ours, because after ours is, ours is from the Bible. Maybe they have communion that's a little different from us. Maybe they have ideas about um, Jesus' family, like Mary. They got funny ideas about those things. And we don't agree with them because we got the Bible. Right? We're straight orthodox. We could be straight as an arrow on what we believe and who we are and miss it by a mile because we don't have thanks for what God has done in our life. You see, it comes from the heart. Now, I remember Pastor Chuck, our dear Pastor Chuck who's in heaven, when he was talking about the gifts of the Spirit, you know what Chuck said? I would be wrong. I would rather be wrong about the gifts of the Spirit theologically then miss it, then be wrong about love from the heart. Sometimes we are so stinking orthodox that we miss the forest through the trees because Jesus said, these guys, eh, they're good. They're Jewish. Yeah, they got the temple. Yeah, they got the orthodox belief. But this Samaritan, he got it right. He understood What giving thanks was, he understood the grace of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God, and he understood who Jesus was. And he came back and he gave thanks to the Jewish Messiah who had saved him. Okay. I have a question here. Here's question number two. Here's the easy question. Now, this would be for somebody who hasn't won. All right. Okay. All right. Don't want all the money to go this side of the sanctuary. Here's, here's the easy question. This would be for the first through third graders who haven't answered the question yet. What did Jesus say to the one who returned? What was he doing when he returned to Jesus? What was he doing? What was he doing? What did Jesus say to the man who returned? What was he doing when he, when he returned and gave thanks to God? That's it. That's it. All right, son, come on up here. We're gonna, we'll see. Now, you're Oliver's younger brother, aren't you? You look like him. And what was your name, son? 
Elliot, yes. Elliot, do you want to want to take a guess at you can whisper in my ear? What are you doing? Elliot, Elliot, he was doing what? What was he doing? What did he say to the man? What did Jesus say to the man that he was doing? Probably the question is a hard question, isn't it? What did what did what was the man doing when he came to Jesus and gave thanks? Yes, he was giving thanks. And what was he doing? He was praising him. Yes, and he was. Can you read that? Right here. Right here. Oh, he was giving thanks Yes, he was giving glory to God. Right, Elliot, very good. Let's give him a, a, a round of applause. Okay, Elliot. Because he was the only one who came up, he gets the money. Okay. He was giving glory to God. Okay, now here's the difficult question. Somebody who hasn't got it yet. I thought that was pretty difficult. Okay. Let me read my question here. Here's the question. I talked about another Samaritan that Jesus talked to. Who was that other Samaritan in the Bible that Jesus talked to? Who was that other Samaritan that Jesus talked to? Give you a hint. It was in John chapter 4. Anybody remember who was the other Samaritan? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody don't remember who the other Samaritan was? No, Dave, you can't raise your hand. (laughs) Do we have somebody over here? Anybody? We get this young man. He's all excited. No, no. You in the back, put your hand down. <laughs> Come on up here, son. Uh, now, you're going to have to get, Now, your name again was? Matthew. Matthew. Okay, Matthew. Who was the other Samaritan that Jesus talked about in the Bible that he talked to? Um, the, the woman at the well. The woman at the well. Very good. <laughs> All right, kid. Man, this guy's making a cleanup. Yeah, okay. All right. So giving thanks is not a matter of who you are, but it comes from the heart. So you can have your doctrine and everything right, but if you're not giving thanks to God, you're missing it. Okay, let's look at our last point. The truth is giving thanks glorifies the Lord. Giving thanks glorifies the Lord, just like Elliot read in the Bible. Now, when we give thanks... We glorify the Lord. We acknowledge who he is and what he has done for us. Now, if we don't give thanks to God, what does that mean? Well, essentially, we're saying that good things happen to me just because of who I am. Good things happen to me because I've got good karma. Good things happen to me because... I'm special and I deserve good things. Good things happen to me 
just because of who I am. Or I just happen to be in the right place at the right time. But all of those are not true. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. That's in James chapter 1. So everything that we have, okay, let's, let's name them. Our health, our family, our job, uh, the smarts that we have, the talents that we have, everything that we have is a result that comes from God. And when we fail to give thanks to God and acknowledge him that he is the source of the goodness in our lives, we're lying. And even what's worse is we're not dealing with reality. Because the truth is that everything that we have comes from God. Now, the Lord doesn't need us to glorify him. Did you know that? He's not sitting around in heaven thinking, oh, please, I hope they glorify me at Calvary Chapel Mission VAL this Sunday morning. He's not, oh, I hope they do. I hope, 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 hope. That's not where he's at. He doesn't have any needs. Why? He's perfect. He's God. So who needs to glorify God? We do. <laughs> Why? Because it acknowledges the truth about who we are and what we are. Now, why is that important? This is really important. This is important because when we give thanks to God and we recognize that he is the source, we're dealing with what we call reality. Now, pay close attention. When we're not dealing with reality, you know what that makes us? Clinically crazy. Insane. Do you know what the definitions of an insane person is? An insane person is a person who's living in this world and not seeing it as it really is. They've got an alternate world that they've created in their own mind. And you know what the psychologists say that those people are? They're nuts. They're crazy. Now, am I saying that all the non-Christians that you know in your family and your, are crazy? Well, not clinically. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. Haven't you watched some of your non-Christian friends, maybe your non-Christian uh, family members, and you've watched them, what they're doing, and you would say in your mind, what do you say? Why are they doing that? They're crazy. Why? Because they're living in a, in a universe that doesn't exist. It's not real. They've created something in their minds, and they think that's true, but it's not. And so when we don't recognize that everything we have is from God and he deserves to be thanked and glorified and recognize it, not because he needs it, because it makes us sane. Now, the Bible also says that he who says there is no God is a fool. Not only is he a fool, but he's, he's kind of crazy. Why is that? Well, you'd have to be really foolish. As we look around, according to Romans chapter 1, we look around at all of creation, and we see the beauty and the complexity of creation. And, to, and when we say, well, that just happened by an accident, time plus chance, 
created this incredibly complex world within complex organisms that speaks of the beauty and nature of God. You know what happens when you deny that? The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, your foolish heart becomes darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became foolish. So when we give thanks to God and we acknowledge what he has done in our lives, we're giving glory to God. And we are beginning to walk in reality. Okay. Um, So what did we look at? The truth about giving thanks is that we've all had good things done to us by the Lord. We're all like the lepers. We all have needs. And sometimes it's only God who can help us. Sometimes what happens to us? We get caught up in our... We think other things are more important than giving thanks to God when we wouldn't be who we are today if it wasn't for him. Giving thanks is not about orthodox beliefs. Giving thanks comes from the heart when we recognize who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And finally, giving thanks glorifies to God. Glorifies God. Okay. I've got two minutes. I'll close with this. Here's the application. What are some practical ways to give thanks? What are some practical ways to give thanks? Here it is. Begin each day. Here's what you do. The alarm goes off, you set off the alarm, you pull back the covers, you put your feet on the ground, and you know what you say? I thank you, God, that I'm alive. You give thanks for just who you are. Whatever the day is facing, you give thanks. You begin the day with thanks. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That's part of the first thing that you should be on your lips is thank you, God, that I'm here. Thank you for what you provide. Begin each day with thanksgiving. Then also... Begin each week with thanksgiving. Now, this is not the week end. This is the week beginning. Do you know Sunday is the first day of the week? So what do you do? You begin the first day of the week by coming to? That's right. That's right. That's what we do. Do you know by what you're doing here? You're giving thanks. You're listening to his word. You're worshiping him. You're returning a small portion of what he's given to you. It might be used for your service. You're, you're praying. You're fellowshipping. This is a way of acknowledging and giving thanks to God. Secondly, give testimony. Give testimony about what God, has God done something in your life that's good? You ought to tell everybody. Give thanks to him publicly. Consider this, and I've said this often, this is what changes my life, hopefully on a regular basis, is when I recognize what I would be if God hadn't touched my life. Where would you be today if you didn't know Jesus? Where would you be if, yeah, he has a son. Where, where would you be, son? Hell. In hell, that's very good. <laughs> yeah, because most of, a lot of us would be dead That's the truth. A lot of us would be dead and we'd be in hell. That's true. Just think about where you'd be if you didn't know Jesus today. That'll make you thankful. Thirdly, don't be ashamed of your faith. Don't be ashamed of your faith. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Now, as our society goes slowly, it begins to drift. Who knows where we're drifting? That's another story. The tendency is that um, 
they're going to look at us and point fingers. Oh, you guys are just haters, and you're just filled with can't do this, can't do that. You're so negative. You Christians are so negative. And it has a tendency that we don't want to be negative, we don't want to be hateful, but at the same time, you don't have to be ashamed of what you believe. You don't. You don't have to be ashamed that you're a Christian. You speak the truth in love. We don't, ha- we don't hate, I don't hate people who, who have other beliefs uh, than me. I don't hate people who, you know, who don't know God. Uh, I think if they're active in their unbelief, I think sometimes they're acting awfully crazy, but not clinically insane. Not yet, anyway. But I don't hate them. You love them. But don't be ashamed to love them and to stand up for what you believe. Why? Because we believe the truth. Now, this is the way our society works. I was reading the front page of the paper, this new movie that's coming out called uh, Unbroken. It's the story of Louis Zambernini. He was a great athlete. He was captured by the Japanese and tortured unbelievably. And then he came back after the war and he was drinking and he had a terrible life and he went to the Billy Graham crusade and he became a Christian. And he just, he just his whole life changed. It's a wonderful story. Well, they, Hollywood picked up the book and guess where they cut it? When the part about Jesus They don't want to talk about him going to the Billy Graham crusade. They don't want to talk about him forgiving all his enemies and even going back to Japan and trying to find the people who tortured him so he could tell them about Jesus. They're not going to talk about that. That's what the world does. They want to cut Jesus out, but they're not dealing with the truth. The truth is that Louis Zambernini, who died just last year, I think, he lived a Christian life and his whole life was marvelously changed because of Jesus. You don't have to be ashamed of Jesus because he's the truth. What they're telling us out there is half-truth or not even truth, absolute lies. Stand up for the truth. Love Jesus. Don't be ashamed of it. But speak the truth in love. Finally, here's the hard one. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. Even when it seems the thing you want isn't happening. Give thanks to God, even when his will, it seems, is not what you wanted. That's a hard one, folks. When things aren't going the way you long in your heart, I'm not talking about selfish things, I'm talking about things, good things, good things that you want to happen that just don't seem to be happening. You can become angry and bitter. You got the short end of the stick. What's happening? My friends, that's, don't, you don't want to go down that road. You need to say, God, not your will be done, but my, not my will be done, but your will, God, in my life. And sometimes that's very, very hard to say. But it's, it's where being a Christian is. Thank you, God for this thing that's come into my life. Why? Because the Bible tells us that he works what? All things together for the good. So you say, well, that can't possibly be doing in my life. You don't even know, Pastor Neil, what I'm going through. How could that be good? 
I don't have a clue, but I believe God's word rather than my own silly mind that God is going to take that thing that's very difficult in your life right now and he is wanting to you to hear, say, thank you, God, for allowing this to come into my life. I don't understand it. I didn't want it, but I'm trusting you. That's the mark of someone who's thanking Jesus. And that's, that's a big pill to swallow. I understand that. But I think he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and life more abundantly. His word is what brings life, not our own silly thinking. Amen? It's good to give thanks to God. Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you for the love of Jesus. We thank you for all that he does for us. We want to end this uh, holiday season by remembering and giving thanks to all that you do for us. We bless and thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with me this morning.